2 Timothy chapter 2. Good to see our young people in here. Excited about having them in tonight. Got some friendly faces I can teach now. I feel like I'm used to these guys, right? Y'all scare me a little bit. But anyway, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Does everybody have a handout? Does everybody have a handout? Does anybody need a handout? Brother Scott, do we have some more of those? All right, who needs one? Raise your hand if you need a handout. I want everybody to have one. Everybody to have one. All right, raise your hand. Anybody else need one? All right, let's make sure everybody gets one of those. If you were here last week, young people, it's the same one. It would be the same one. A farmer in God's harvest. All right, so today we're going to talk about a farmer in God's, God's harvest. We'll look at St. Timothy chapter 2. St. Timothy chapter 2. All right, we have been started, we've started a series on metaphors in the Bible. So we've been going through this for the last um, couple weeks, last three or four weeks, and we start a series on metaphors. It's, it's what God likens us to, I guess you could say, is what a metaphor is. It likens us to something. It's a comparison. It's something that gives us an illustration of, of how we are to live, what we're to be as Christians. Uh, the first uh, lesson that we did was on the salt and the light, and that's, that's up here, salt and light. It's the name of our series, Salt and Light. Got a little light bulb with the salt shaker. Wasn't that pretty cool? I thought it was neat. But anyway, uh, so we had the salt and the light. And we're to be the salt and the light of the earth. That's Matthew chapter 5 talks about that. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. It says that you are the light of the world. That we're, we're like a city set upon a hill. Uh, and so we learned some things about salt and light. Can y'all tell me something about salt or light? Okay. Salt preserves. Very good. What else we got? It purifies. Uh, this was a good one. I thought... In, and this what you know. This when you go into an environment, does it become more pure because you're there, or less pure because you're there? By the words you say, the actions you take, uh, does it come more wholesome or less wholesome because you're there? As a Christian, you're to be salt, and it should become more wholesome. It should become more pure. It shouldn't be comfortable being around you if you if 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 it's not wholesome or pure, right? So that's good. Anybody got anything else about about it? No, we're talking about. Light. Light, what? It attracts. So light attracts. It, 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 it reflects. Okay, so it reflects. What is something else we had about salt or about light? Repels. Okay, it repels. Very good. So salt uh, or, or light repels. Um, it repels darkness, right? The, when, when we have light, we cannot have darkness. Those things don't go together, and that's the way it ought to be. Uh, in us, we ought to repel darkness. Um, you know, we're left in this world to be a salt and a light, so we ought to be that. So that was what our first lessons were on. And then today we're going to talk about a farmer in God's harvest. We sort of started this last week a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll review it and get right into it. All right, let's, let's stand and let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Um, as we go through this, I'm going to have some different passages we'll turn to. I might have you read some verses for me. So some of you, would y'all volunteer to stand where you're at, read them out real loud so everybody can hear you. Y'all going to help me with that? Some of y'all? Y'all are like, I don't know, this is a big crowd. Y'all can do it. All right, here we go. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. It says, The husbandman, that's a farmer, the husbandman that laboreth must, must be first partaker of the fruit. So today we're going to talk about a farmer in God's harvest. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we pray that you would be uh, uh, glorified during this time of, of, of teaching and preaching of your word. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to our responsibility uh, as farmers in your harvest. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be diligent at it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, I brought, I brought a... Anybody know what this is? 
Some of you probably don't. How many of you, how many of you think this might actually fit your hand? No, no, not at all, right? You, it wouldn't fit your hand at all. You wouldn't know what to do with this, would you? Um, well, this is, this is a hoe, and this is something that you, you dig up things with. Um, how many of you know farming is hard work? It's not, it's not like sitting at a desk. It's, it's, it's different than that. Now, you know, desk work can be hard work. There's some things you do there, it takes some concentration, some focus. I mean, some people aren't made for that, right? But it's a different kind of thing. We're talking about real hard work. Farming is labor-intensive. Labor it's something that takes some, some effort. If you're in, in, in it for recreation, relaxation, farming probably isn't your thing, okay? Uh, me and Miss Rebecca, we decided we were going to have a, a garden one time. Um, she wanted a garden, okay? Uh, she thought that would be neat. Her granny always had a garden. We were going to have a garden. And this was, you know, in our first four or five years of marriage, and so I would go along with anything back then. And, and so we were going to have us a garden. And we started, we started, we were going to do, a, we, it was just about the size of this rug, probably, wasn't it? It was not much bigger than that. And so I thought this was going to be easy, you know, and no big deal. I was going to get some boards. I was going to make, a, I was gonna make, a, a, make it and make it sort of like a raised garden. You know what I'm talking about? Like a raised. And, but I had to dig up all that, that, that grass and stuff first. And I thought, I can do this by hand. This is going to be simple. You know what I'm saying? And so I got out and I started doing it. And, um, and I kept doing it. And, man, I was sweating. And I was just, I, it was her garden. I don't know if she was even out there during this part of the thing. You know what I'm saying? But, but I learned something pretty quickly. It's hard work. I mean, I was sweating. I was hurting when I got done. My hands were blistered. My back was a little sore the next day, you know. And it was because it was hard work. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy all the time, but it, the, the, the fruit, the fruit, the harvest is why you do it. Now, we'll get into our harvest a little later. It wasn't that great and it wasn't worth it. But anyway, um, but, but as a Christian, the same is true. Uh, it, it's not going to be always easy to be a farmer. It's not going to be always simple. And that's the, a lot of people head into the Christian life thinking that's the way it's going to be, right? It's all gonna, everything's going to work out perfect for me. It's going to be easy. I don't have to do any work anymore. You know, uh, God's going to do everything. And it's simple. But look, uh, he gives us a comparison here of being a farmer. And it is tough work. It's tough work. And so today we're going to talk about the harvest. We're going to talk about a farmer in God's harvest. And a harvest is simply this. A harvest is simply the visible result of the work, the preparation that we put in uh, faithfully before, all right? And so we're going to look at the harvest, God's harvest. So let's look at some tasks. We, we covered a little bit of this last week. covered, first of all, if you're following along, we, we, we covered the, uh, the farmer prepares. So the first thing we talked about is the farmer prepares. Let's look at Luke chapter um, 13 with me. Look at Luke 13. We'll read this one together, Luke chapter 13. Look at verse number 6. It says, And he spake this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and he sought fruit thereon. Uh, so this man, he's, he's, he's the owner of the vineyard, and he comes to his vineyard, he comes to his farmland, and, and he looks and he has a fig tree in this, and what do you think he expects to find on his fig tree? Figs, okay, I mean, that's, that's a tough question. They're going to get tougher, right? But it's, he's going to come to this, this place, he's planted a fig tree, and he expects to find some fruit. Now look at this. It says, and he sought fruit thereon, and what did he find? He found none. He didn't find a thing. Then he said to the dresser, this is the farmer, this is the guy that's supposed to be taking care of this. He said, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig and find none. What does he want to do with it now? He says, cut it down. He says, look, look at, it says, 
He says, cut it. Why cumbereth the ground? Why is this thing taking up space? And let me tell you this. It's not part of the thing, but it, it goes along with it. Uh, if you're a Christian and you're not bringing forth fruit, then you're pretty worthless. That's what the Bible's saying here, right? He's saying all you're doing is taking up space. You're cumbering the ground. That means you're, you're in the way, basically, is what it's saying. And, and let me tell you something. Jesus, it, it, he, when he comes and he saves you, he expects to see some fruit. He expects to see a harvest. He expects to see uh, some fruit of the Spirit coming out of you. you. You ought to be full of love and kindness and joy and peace and these things. Hey, you ought to be seeing new Christians come. Uh, we, ought to be, we ought to be showing some fruit. Uh, I'd hate to think that this was God coming and inspecting my tree and him finding nothing and saying, why are you even here? But that's what he does. This farmer comes and he says, why cumbereth the ground? Now notice this is the next, the, the next verse here. And he answering said to him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I do what? Till I shall dig it and dung it, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So here he's talking about the preparation. Hey, we're going we're gonna to do some preparation. We're going to try and make it ready. And so the farmer must prepare. Now, there's two things we're going to talk about with this farmer preparing. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about here is the clearing. The clearing. All right, take your Bible and turn to 2 Kings chapter 18 with me. All right, somebody want to read Isaiah 5-2, the first part of it. Just the first part of Isaiah 5-2. You got that, Andrew? All right, be ready. I'll let you know when, okay? Right, so we're talking about the clearing. Um, you know, if you're going to go in and you're going to uh, plant a garden, you're going to have some fruit, what's the first thing you need to do if you're going to go prepare a land? You've got to get some stuff out of the way. You've got to clear some things. Uh, I remember when, how many of y'all remember on old, on old Dug Up Road? Is it Old Dug Up Road down here? There used to be a, a farm right there, or, or a field right there that was full of, of, of sugar cane. Anybody remember that? I'm the only one. Okay. Well, when I was a kid, over at Christian Heritage, which is at Kinsey Drive now, there was a field right there. It had, it had uh, sugar cane. And they, would, they had a meal where they would take that sugar cane and they would make the syrup, they'd make the uh, sorghum syrup out of it. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But it was a field. It was a big field. And now if you drive by there, you know what you see? There's a house there. But all in that field are trees this big. You know what happened? Well, if we wanted to have that same field there, what would we have to do first? We have to cut down some trees, we have to remove some stumps, we have to take care of some rocks, right? And that's what we're talking about here. We must, the, the, the land, the, the plants, uh, in order to plant on this ground, we must do some clearing. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2. Andrew, stand up and read that for us, please. And uh, just the first part. I'll tell you when to stop. That's good. He fenced it, and it says he gathered out the stones thereof. This is speaking about God and how he is going and preparing land. And, and that's what we must do. We must prepare. I think this is your, your next blank. We must prepare the soul of our hearts to receive the word of God by removing anything, anything that hinders God from working in our hearts and lives. So we need to remove anything that's going to hinder God from working in our hearts and lives. The first step in this, this big, having a harvest is removing what hinders us from serving God. We need to keep some things clear. We need to keep those things that displease God out of our lives, out of our hearts, so that God can have the space that he needs to plant his word and God can have a harvest in us. Uh, a good example of this can be found in 2 Kings chapter 18. Look at 2 Kings chapter 18. Look at verse number 3. Talking about King Hezekiah. He came to be king. I think he was like 25 years old. And, and he wanted to see his country get back to what it needed to be. And, and he, he, he knew that in order to do that, he had to clear some things out. Look at 
verse number 3, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. And he took and he cleared some things out. He wanted God's people to get back to, to where they needed to be. And he got rid of all the idols. He got rid of all the sin. The, he, he cut down the groves. He removed the high places. And let me tell you, if we're ever going to get to where we need to be with God, we need to remove some things out of our lives. We've allowed so many things to creep in. And, and we've okayed so many things. We need to clear some space if God's ever going to do work in our hearts and in our lives. Look at verse number 5. He says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded of Moses. Uh, how many of you would like for something like that to be said of you before you die, but when you passed away or something? You know, wouldn't you like for somebody to look at you and say that? Well, let me tell you something. It took some work for Hezekiah to have that testimony said about him. He had to get rid of some things. He had to clear out some things. We need to clear some idols, some things out of our lives. We need to get rid of some things. If we're, going to get, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, we've got to get rid of those things that displease Him in our lives. Uh, I think that none of us would, 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 be, um, would argue that we need to get sin out of our life. Would you, would you agree with that? Amen. We all need to do that. Uh, we, we, we shouldn't allow sin to fester in us. We shouldn't allow sin to, to be part of us. We shouldn't allow that to keep things from uh, us from serving the Lord the way that we should. We should get rid of it. But there's also some, uh, some things that may, might not be wrong, but they have the wrong position in our lives we need to get rid of. Here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, look at this. This is a very good example of this. Anybody know the first song that we sang tonight? I asked Brother Travis to sing it because it would go along with our message. I'm going to see if anybody was paying attention as we sang our first song. Look and live. You just knew it because I told you beforehand too. You weren't even in here, you little cheater. <laughs> Look and live. But it goes back to this story. Some 700 years before this time, uh, they were in the wilderness wandering, right? You remember this story? Moses was out in the wilderness. They were wandering in the wilderness. And, and they were complaining. The Israelites were complaining and murmuring and doing what they did most of the time. And what did God send? He sent fiery serpents. And what did, they, what, what did God do for them? He said, look, I, you need to make a serpent of brass, put it up on a stick, and, and if you look at it, you'll, you'll be healed, you'll live. If you don't, you'll die. And so they would look and they would live. And that, how many of you would agree that's a good thing? That, bra, that brass servant, brazen servant that you could look at, that's a great thing, right? But what, what had happened over the years with that serpent? They had taken it and they had made it into an idol. They started, it was a good thing, but they put it in the wrong place. And they started worshiping that thing. They started burning incense to that thing. And, and, and look at chapter 18, verse 4, and he removed the high places. We all agree those are wrong. He broke the images. That was wrong. He cut down the groves. Well, no doubt about it, but notice this. And he broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For in those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. So look, there, there were some things that, were in, that, that weren't necessarily bad. They didn't even start off bad. But they became an idol. Good things that got into the wrong place, the wrong position in your life. We need to remove those things. Sometimes that can be family we put before the Lord. It can become an idol. It can be something that we worship, that we shouldn't worship before God. 
Hey, sometimes it can be uh, a, a certain person, you know, maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that distracts us from doing all we need to do for the Lord, and, and all of a sudden they're all that's important to us. That's all that matters to us. Hey, I, I'm not going to be able to go to church today because I've got to be with them, or I've got to go here, or I've got to go there, or I've got to do this. Hey, maybe it's a job, maybe it's money, it's, it's something that we put before the Lord. These are good things, they're not bad things, but if we put them in the wrong place in our life, they can become an idol. And the Bible, it, it, Hezekiah, he had to get rid of those things, he had to clear them. Hey, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a hobby or a pastime. We think, oh, it's no big deal. But when it comes before the Lord, it can be a big deal. Maybe it's a sport that we play uh, or, or, or that we even watch that come, become before the Lord. And is that sport necessarily bad or wrong? Well, let me tell you something. If it keeps you out of the house of God, it keeps you from doing, serving the Lord the way that you need to, it become an idol just like that brazen serpent did. And you need to get rid of it, destroy it, if we're going to ever have a harvest for the Lord. If we're going to be serious about it. We need to be careful. It's not just, idols aren't just those graven images that we, they're, they're anything that comes between us and God. That is an idol. Matthew 6, my life verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. It should have first in your life. Hey, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it's talking about Jesus. It says that in all things, all things, he is to have the preeminence. He's to be first place in all things. You know what the first commandment is? We had the top ten list, right? And you know what the number one one is that God gave us? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hey, whatever it is in your life that's before God, we need to clear it. We need to get rid of it. All right, number two, or letter B here, plowing. This is all review. We're doing well. Plowing, plowing. So after the clearing the ground, you must plow the ground. Um, I think we have a picture here. One of the most important inventions was this, the steel plow. Now, they had plows, but this steel plow made it so that you, the, the, the heartland of America, some people thought it was like a great desert, but now it's, it's known as the breadbasket for the entire country. And a lot of it was because of this. It was invented in 1837. Anybody know who did that? John Deere. John Deere did. That's our next picture here, John Deere. I, I, I think John Deere pr did pretty well after that, don't you? He made a little bit of money on this thing. But he, he invented this plow. And, and, and in order for our hearts uh, to, to be really used and fully have the harvest that it needs to, we need to have our hearts plowed. Uh, let's say that we go out there and we have, we've cleared all the land off, and it's clear, and it's, 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 there's, no, there's no weeds, there's no anything there, but it's about like this, 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 uh, this platform here, and it's just hard. Is there, am I going to be able to plant anything in there? What's going to happen if I try and put seed on it? It's going to bounce off. What's going to happen if I try and water it? It's just going to run off, isn't it? And we must have our hearts ready to receive the Word of God. All right, let me give you a couple verses. Uh, go to that next slide there. Uh, who can look at Jeremiah chapter 4? All right, Bailey, you get that Jeremiah 4, 3 for me. Who's got um, Hosea 10, 12? I like this one, Hosea 10, 12. Who's got Hosea 10, 12? All right, Brother Daryl, I'll get you next one, okay? Brother Daryl, you get that one for me. All right, uh, let's read that there, um, Bailey. Jeremiah 4, 3. Break up your fallow grounds. Let's look at Hosea 10, 12. Read that for us, please, Brother Daryl. All right, talks about break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Hey, we need to, we need to get rid of some things in our life, but we need to have our hearts plowed by the Word of God. How is it we're going to have them plowed? It's God's word. He, this is our plow. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Do you want to read that for us, Anna? Hebrews 4, 12? Okay. 
Well, look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. All right, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder our soul and spirit. That is God's word. And this is our next blank. The word of God can break open the hard heart and allow the seed of Scripture to bring forth fruit. Hey, it's not enough just to have a cleared-out heart. I'm afraid this is where a lot of, you know, us Christians or us Baptists are living. We try and have a clean life. But we don't have a soft heart for God. Hey, we, we got rid of a lot of things in our life, but are we really, as this, as this verse said in Hosea, are we really seeking the Lord with our lives? Hey, we might not be out there doing all that bad stuff those people are doing, and we can point the finger at them really well. We're good at that, you know, us Pharisee judgment kind of thing. We can do that real well. But are we really seeking the Lord? Has our heart been plowed? Is our heart open and receptive to God's Word? There's a difference there. And we need to, if we're going to have the kind of heart we need, we need to allow our hearts to be plowed by His Word. And how are we going to do that? Hey, we must, we must, we must, it is vital that we read and study God's Word. Hey, that's what's going to do it, is reading and studying God's Word. Hey, that's the reason it's vital. Listen, it's vital for you as a Christian, if you're going to have your heart plowed and, and, and softened, that you come to church with the right attitude, be, being ready to receive God's Word, not with a bad attitude, not with, you know, I, I'm doing my duty kind of attitude, but with the attitude of, I am ready to receive it. That is what is going to turn up that soil. That is what is going to plow our hearts. Here's what I want you to do. On the back of your thing, I had the youth do this last week. On the back of your thing there, I want you to choose a time and a place that will be best for you to read your Bible daily. If you're going to have your heart plowed, you're going to be serious about it, this is what you need to do. I think there's a lot of Christians that have never done this, never, never taken time to read their Bible each and every day. Um, I, just today, I ordered some... Um, how many of you have read the, the, the reading through the Bible in a year thing that we do? Some of y'all have used that, right? Anybody, anybody get through Anybody on pace yet this year? Anybody on pace? A little bit? Okay. Maybe a touch behind. Just a touch behind? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, you can catch up. You got, you got some time. But um, just today I ordered some, some new Bible markers. It's a new, new uh, we're going to try it. Uh, and I encourage you, I'm going to have a list back here. I encourage you uh, to attempt this next year to read through your Bible in a year. And it'll give you bookmarks, and you can go through, and you can read God's Word. Because listen, I want to have a heart that's ready to receive what God wants me to have. I want to have a heart that's ready to be a part of His harvest, all right? So you need to choose a time and a place. But let me tell you this, it's not enough just to simply read God's Word. You need to meditate on it, and you need to apply it to your life. This is, this is I'm really good at just at, at reading, at, at doing my thing, checking off my list. I'm, a, I'm pretty good at being disciplined in those things. I'm, I think it's my OCD. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It kicks in on me. Um, I'm bad about it. Like, if I don't get something done in a time of, you know, sometime during the day, it bugs me. I can't even sleep, and then I'm going to have to get up and do it. So I can read my Bible every day. I don't struggle with that. But I do sometimes struggle with, with focusing, with meditating, with really reading my Bible. You know what I mean? And there is a difference. And so we need to not only read God's Word, but we need to really heed it and, and meditate on it. Think about Psalm 119, verse 11. What does it say? It says, Thy word have I hid. 
in my heart. Hey, it's something about taking it into your heart and really reading and meditating on God's Word. I think about Psalm 1 where it talks about that blessed man. And at first it says that he doesn't walk with these people and doesn't sit and all that, stand, sit, all that. But what does the second verse say? It says, but his delight is what? It's in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. The next verse talks about he'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and it's going to prosper because it's ready. It's, it's ready for God's Word. And let me tell you, we need to read God's Word, and we need to meditate on God's Word each and every day. All right, so that was the farmer. What was the first thing? The farmer prepares. Good. The second thing is the farmer plants. The farmer plants. So let's look at the farmer planting. To have a good crop, a farmer must start with a good seed. I was going to get some seeds up here, but I didn't. To have a good crop, a farmer must start with a good seed. Somebody look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Who can read 1 Peter 1, 23? I need a volunteer, I need a volunteer. 1 Peter 1, 23. Brother Nathan's going to read that for us in just one second. I was looking up uh, and, uh, some information. I was doing a little research on this. And you know there's a lot that goes into getting the right kind of seed. We all think it's just simple, you know, it's, it's just you get some seed, you throw it out there, no big deal. But man, there's a lot that goes into it. I was, did some research on this, and in 2013, which is last year I could find, 2013, research and development for agriculture, where they figure out how to make these seeds and stuff, was $16.3 billion spent in the United States alone, just to figure out how to plant things, you know what I mean? Y'all don't seem impressed by that, I thought that was a lot of money just to learn how to make a seed, you know? $16.3 billion. But we have something that's worth more than all of that. It's, what, what is our seed? 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 23, Brother Nathan, read that for us, please. We have been given the perfect word of God. That is the incorruptible seed that we have. Man, do you realize how blessed you are to have God's word? That you can read in the English, in the English language, the King James Bible that you have in your hand. How blessed you are to have that. The other day we were having our men's breakfast and Brother Al did a lesson on thankfulness and we had to write a list of things and, and, and he was just write a list of things we're thankful for. We're supposed to take those and, and thank God, not asking for a thing, but just thank God for those things. Uh, and on my list, of course Rebecca was on top, right? Uh, on that list, I had to get in brownie points there. Uh, on my list, we had, I had several things, but one of, my, one of the things that God just struck me with was you have his word. I have God's word, and I ought to be thankful for that. And so it's, it's the seed. Uh, two things about this. First of all, let's look at the planting of the seed. Let's look at the planting of the seed. All right, got some verses here. So having the seed is not enough. Um, Haggai 2.19, I'll get that one. It says, is the seed yet in the barn? Uh, we're not to just leave the seed in the barn. It doesn't do a bit of good there. We must get out and plant the seed. Look at Luke chapter 8 with me. Look at Luke chapter 8. Here's the, the parable of the sower and the seed. And, and look at what happens here. It says, And when much people were gathered, chapter 8 verse 4, together were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. And what is, these, is this parable? He says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed. So what did this sower go out to do with the seed? What is the job? What is the whole purpose of the sower? Is to sow some seed. Hey, it's not to, not, not to guard the seed, and I think a lot of us, we feel like that's our job, is to guard the seed. We've got to guard the Word of God. And look, it's important. We don't need to let people uh, destroy it. We don't need to let people uh, downrate it. We don't need to let people pervert it and all of those kinds of things. But let me tell you, is that, our main, is that our main objective with the Word of God? Is that the main thing we're to do, is to guard it? No. 
Hey, is it, is it to hoard it to, so we can, we can have the Word of God? We can know all about the Word of God. Is it, that's important. We ought to know as much as we can about the Word of God. But is that, is that our main objective with the Word of God is to hoard it? Hey, is our main objective to analyze and to criticize and, 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 to, and to take apart the Word of God? That's some people's main objective is to do that, to try and find fault and all of these things. Is that our main objective? No, it's not. Hey, is our main objective just to admire it? You know, man, doesn't that seed in the barn look so beautiful? I'm telling you what, I bought it and it's, you know, got it at the farmer place up here. And man, it's beautiful. It's not going to do me a bit of good, is it? Is that seed in the barn going to do me a bit of good? Seed is useless unless it's planted. Hey, we, we, we're, keeping this, we're keeping too much seed in the barn, folks. Hey, we ought to be planting each and every day. We have been given the responsibility of planting the seed of the Word of God. Uh, but, you know, we shouldn't be hesitant about it. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Does somebody have that one already? All right, Brother Randy, read that for us. Okay, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. Hey, you know, we, sometimes we feel like we only plant when the circumstances are just right. That's what that verse is talking about, right? The wind doesn't seem like it's blowing the right way. The, you know, it's not, it's not going to rain today. We, we, that, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to simply do what God tells us, and that is to plant, to sow the seed of God's Word. We need to be faithful in every opportunity to sow the seed of God's Word. Um, you know, one of the greatest Christians to ever live was the Apostle Paul. And what did he say in 1 Corinthians 3.6? Look at 1 Corinthians 3.6. We'll read, stand up and read that for us, please, sir. What did Paul say in the first phrase of that? He said, who's planted? He said, I, I, I have planted. Can the same be said of you? Could you say, I have planted? When's the last time you told somebody about the gospel? When's the last time you planted the seed of God's word? When's the last time you talked to a friend, a neighbor, a family member about God's word, about the gospel message? Because that is our responsibility. You know, if anybody could have said, you need to plant, it would have been the Apostle Paul. If he could have sent other people out to plant, but he says, I have planted. He took it personally, and we should too. There might be some things, maybe some of you, you know, you, you, maybe you're not, you're not going to be the, the most, you know, the, the greatest theologian ever. Maybe that's not God's role for you. Maybe you're not going to be able to lead in, in worship the way Brother Randy does. Or maybe, you know, we have some limitations. I don't know what they are, but you know what I mean. Maybe that's not your gift. But you know what all of us can be faithful to do? All of us can be faithful to do is plant. All of us can be faithful to plant God's Word. And, you know, we, 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 talk, about, we talk about our family and how they've not responded. And, and some people won't respond the first time that they hear. And I wish everybody would. Don't you wish it were that way? But sometimes it's not. But if the seed, and here's your next blank, if the seed is never planted, they will never respond. So we need to be planting the seed of God's Word. All right, letter B here, pruning. So if the seed is never planted, people will never respond. How are we doing? Page 11. All right, so you're doing a garden. You can't just simply throw the seed out there and expect to come back in four months or however long it takes and find what you want. Anybody ever plant a garden that, that's the way you did it? No, not at all, right? I thought it was going to be a little more simple. I'll be honest with you. I thought it wasn't going to be that difficult. But, man, those weeds just grow. Uh, things just, 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 just come up. And, 
you have, to, you have to do some pruning. You have to do some care. You can't just walk off. You must care for the plants uh, as they grow. Uh, the author of this series, he, he was telling the story about how he was visiting a, a bean farm up in Colorado, and he went to shake the, the hand of the people there, and he was shaking the hand of a, a 13, 14-year-old daughter, and he said it felt like hardened leather. Her hand did. Oh, there went my thing. It felt like hardened leather. And uh, he said it was such an unusual experience. He asked her about it. And she says, well, I've spent many, many hours every day hoeing the beans. Now, the seed had been, had been planted, but the work was not yet done. Uh, and we must work in our lives, in our own lives, to continue uh, to work when, when God plants some seeds. Um, we're going to have some weeds that need to be removed. We're going to have some things that are going to come, uh, th- that we need to take out of our lives. Even, even if we're reading our Bible and doing God's Word, it's not, it's not like we can just stick it on cruise control and everything's going to be fine. We must, we must uh, be pruning and taking things out of our lives that, that would not be pleasing to God. Uh, you know, weeds will easily sprout. Isn't it amazing? You, you, you'll throw out all kinds of fertilizer and everything and your beans won't grow, but the weeds will. Anybody have that problem? That was my problem with my garden I had, you know. Uh, you know, you, you, everything else seems to die, but the weeds, they grow. They grow really well. Well, it's sort of the same in our lives sometimes, isn't it? Uh, they, they sprout up when you don't even want them to or mean for them to. Those weeds, those thoughts, those attitudes. Anybody got some attitude weeds we need to get rid of sometimes? <laughs> got a few people, yeah, that's me. Um, so some, some actions that we need to take care of, some, some habits maybe we've allowed to grow in our life that we don't need to have in our lives. What we need to do is do a little pruning. We need to take them out. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Look at Matthew 13 with me. And we'll do these last couple points real quick. Matthew chapter 13, verse 7. He's given a, a, a similar uh, story here, the parable of the sower and the seed. It says, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Hey, you know what happens in your life when you don't prune, you don't take care of, of things, and you just allow things to build up and go? It, th- there's some things that are going to choke your spiritual life. Uh, verse 22 tells us what those things can be. Look at verse 22. Jesus is, is telling what he meant by his parable. You know, the best uh, commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You know, we, we find out what the Bible means by studying the rest of God's Word. And here's what he said in verse 22. He said, he also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. So they heard it, they have the seed planted. But notice, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So we've got to take some weeds and get them out of our life. Are the concerns of this world, the pursuit of money in your life, choking out your fruitfulness for God? I see it every day with Christians. You know, you, you pray for somebody to get a job, and you hear about them getting a job, and we're all excited about them getting a job, and next thing you know, they ain't in church anymore. What happened? Some weeds. Hey, something started choking them. Hey, the deceitfulness of weeds. Hey, we, we, we pray for people to, for their families and these kinds of things, and, 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 and we have things that come into our family and, and the cares of those, and we forget about God, we forget about what, what He's doing, and, and what happens? You know, we, we, we've got it, we understand, we know what we're doing. And next thing you know, the weeds have come. What have they done? They choked us. No longer in God's Word, we're no longer in God's house. So the weeds of, of, uh, can choke us out. How many of you ever cut hedges? Brother Dwayne, 
does a wonderful job. He, he does our lawn and um, our hedges. Actually, Ben and Rebecca do a lot of that too, don't they? <laughs> uh, Rebecca does most of the weed eating, which is the worst job. I don't know how she does that, but she likes to do that. But often they'll be out here and they'll be doing the hedges, and they do a wonderful job with it. But what do you do when, you, when, you, when you're cutting hedges? You have, a, you, have a, you have what you want in mind, right? You have a sort of a shape or a design. Or Me personally, I like just to cut them all down. You know, that's the way I do it. <laughs> it's just, if it's in my way, in my lawnmower's way, it's... But that's not the way that you know, you're supposed to do it, all right? Um, I, I care nothing about the beauty of them. They're in the way. But... <laughs> But most people, when they cut hedges, what are they doing? <laughs> They're trying to they have a design, something in mind. And what do they have to do to get that design or that, that image? You've got to clip some out of the way, don't you? You have to remove some. You have to take your, your trimmers and trim away. And God has got an image, a design for us. He's got something in mind for you. But you know what it takes? It takes some pruning, doesn't it? It takes some cutting away of some things. Uh, Jesus talks about this in John 15. Look at John 15. He said, in John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, what does he do? He taketh away. Are there some branches that need to be pruned out of your life that are keeping you from being fruitful? Notice what else it says. And every branch that beareth fruit, what does he do? He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Hey, God has got to take away some pruning in our lives for us to have a good harvest. That can be painful, can it? That can be tough. That can be a, that can be a difficult choice sometimes. But if you really want to have a harvest, you want to be somebody that brings forth fruit for the Lord, there must be some pruning. All right, last thing. So we had the farmer, um, what was number one? The farmer... Prepares, number two, was the farmer plants. Did you already have that one in your thing? Man, tell you what, I'm making it easy on you. And then number three is the farmer possesses, the farmer possesses. So back to our text here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, it says, uh, The husband that, is la- that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit, that harvest, that partaking of the fruits. This is the reward for all of the, the months, the preparing, the soil, the planting, the pruning. All of that is coming for one reason. Why do you do all that anyway? It's for a harvest, don't you? Why do you plant a tomato plant? Tomatoes, yes. Why do you plant the green beans? Green beans, right. We, we want it for the harvest. A couple things about this. Um, number one, letter A, the time of the harvest is now. The time of the harvest is now. Look at John chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple verses here. Look at John chapter 4. Look at verse 35. I might just read John 4.35. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Look at what Jesus said. He says, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus loved to use pictures when he taught, didn't he? And I can just imagine Jesus and his disciples as they're walking down the road and they're going by a field. And in this field, there, there, there's not any. There's no, there's no fruit there yet. There's no harvest. It's not harvest time. It's about four months away is what that's saying, right? And so Jesus is looking out and he says, look, I want you to look on this field with spiritual eyes. I want you to look at this world as the harvest. Hey, there are souls out there. 
It is, it is time, it is high time for us to be planting and reaping the harvest uh, of souls. There's, there's people out there that are desperate, that need to know the Lord. The harvest time is now. What happens if you leave crops in the field too long? They spoil, they rot. This is one of the problems me and Rebecca had with our garden. <laughs> we, we planted some green beans. And one time we, we went out there and it was just right, you know, and we picked some and they were pretty good. Well, we, we waited a few days or maybe weeks, I don't know, uh, too long. You ever try green beans that have been on the vine a little too long? I don't know, I, you could boil those for days and I don't think they'd get to, they're, they're still too tough, you know what I mean? Horrible. <laughs> we didn't realize you had to go out there all the time to take care of this thing. <laughs> we wouldn't have planted it. Uh, but things will do that. We had to do tomatoes, and we'd get the little tomatoes. And I think the squirrels and the rabbits loved us because they got some, but I don't know if I ever got very many. I did eat a few of those, didn't I? Squash would rot. <laughs> because why? We didn't harvest. And what is it? What, if you don't gather it on time, what is it? It's, it's worthless, isn't it? Hey, and listen. We need to understand the urgency of this thing. There are souls out there that are perishing, that are dying. The harvest is now, and we need to do something about it. Your, your next blank, we need to ask the Lord to give us a sense of urgency for the ripe harvest fields of souls. Look at John, this one's right there. Look at John chapter 3. Look at verse 18. This is just a, a verse that I, I think about when I think of Kevin Hall. I remember him preaching a message on this on one of our watch nights. I, he always, I always remember this. He, he was like, this is the way I would see people. He, he, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Notice this. But he, chapter 3, verse 18, John. But he that believeth not is what? Is condemned already. Hey, do you understand something? If, if these people don't come to know the Lord, they're going to rot. They're condemned. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it's a great verse, isn't it? It says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish. But let me tell you something. There are people around us every day. You know what they're doing? They're perishing. James 4.14, it says that our life is but a vapor. It's here and it's gone. I was at the funeral last week of a 26-year-old girl. I'm 40, so I can call it a girl. You know, that's still young. <laughs> 26. Died. Didn't, 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 wasn't really sick, just, just died. 26. Hey, you want to witness to somebody? You care about their soul? You know when the best time to do it? Now. Now. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, Hebrews 9, 27, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Hey, this world, this lost world, is dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. And they die in their sin, they will face Him, and they will be punished. The time of the harvest is now. All right, second thing here. And this one's happy. The time of the harvest brings rejoicing. With all that hard work, all that that goes on, what's the point? Is the harvest. Hey, this is the time where you get to reap the benefits of all that hard work and labor. 
Proverbs 13, 9, it says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Hey, in our, pe- in our text, 2 Timothy 2, 6, it talks about how the, the, the husband and the, the farmer can be first partaker of the fruit. Isn't it good that we get to partake of the fruit? We get to celebrate? We're coming up on Thanksgiving. What was that Thanksgiving all about? Is the fact that they had, it was harvest time. Hey, we ought to be excited about the harvest that's coming. Uh, and, and, and in the end, this is your last blank, in the end, all the toil invested in God's work will pale in comparison to the reward. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I've got a couple of verses. I want you to read them for me. Who can read 1 Corinthians 15, 58? Who wants to read 1 Corinthians 15, 58? Need a volunteer? All right, you read that one, Wesley. And who can read Galatians 6, 9? Galatians 6, 9, need a volunteer? All right, Mackenzie can get that one. All right, let's read these verses, and we'll be just about done. All right, stand up and read that for us, Wesley, when you get there. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. When you're in a hurry to find things, they always move them in your Bible, don't they? I'll tell you what. Got it? All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Read it for us, please, sir. All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Miss McKenzie. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. There is a harvest coming. If you faithfully sow, you will reap the harvest, the joy of, of the harvest. Um, all right, we'll be dismissed in prayer. Have some study questions for you. If you want to write some of these on the back, you can. So let me just ask you, why does the farmer need to prepare the ground by clearing and plowing it first? All right, you've you got to have, you gotta have the ground prepared. You've got to get it clear. Uh, you have to make it so that the, the seed will sink in and the water will be provided there. Uh, all right, if a farmer simply walked away from his field after planting and didn't return until harvest, what would he find? Probably a lot of weeds and little harvest, right? Okay. Why is the harvest season so urgent? Because it rot. It's perishing. All right, here's some personal questions for you, okay? When's the last time that God spoke to you through His Word to reveal something you need to remove from your life? Don't you think about that? And how did you respond? And how did you respond? All right, is planting the seed of God's Word a regular part of your life? If not, what adjustments do you need to make so that that'll be a priority? Okay, another question. Y'all getting some of these? I want everybody to get this one. Who is God laying on your heart that you could share the gospel with this week? I want you to think about that. Write, write down a name. If God puts somebody on your heart, write down a name. All right, of the three jobs, preparing, planning, or possessing, where do you need to start? What do you need to work on in your life? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, uh, we thank you for this. We thank you for this picture of a farmer, Lord, and the things that it teaches us. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us to be diligent at, at this work of being a farmer in your harvest. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would faithfully sow. Lord, I pray we'd have our hearts uh, prepared and, and ready to receive. 
And uh, God, I pray that we would share the gospel with somebody this week, God, and Lord, just allow you to do your work uh, in their heart. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see these fields that are white, ready, uh, ready to, for the harvest. And God, I pray that you would help us to be the kind of soul winners that we need to be. God, I know you spoke to my heart through this. Uh, Lord, I know I need to do better. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me uh, to be the farmer uh, that you want me to be.